Hey Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing well. I'm excited. You know, I kind of like that we get to do these off the cuff where we just are like, uh, hey, what if we just did an episode around this? And then you send me a New York Times article and here we are just clicking record and having a chat. So let's let's have a chat. Well, and the funny thing is the article listeners that we're talking about is entitled How Finland is Teaching a Generation to Spot Misinformation. The Nordic country is testing new ways to teach students about propaganda. Here's what other countries can learn from its success. So I would say about maybe three different people emailed this article to me yesterday, and then you had the exact same experience. (laughs) Uh, So we realized this was something that we wanted to discuss. It's a great article. Of course, the link to it is in the show notes. For me, something that really stood out was the reality that Finland is teaching media literacy from pre-K onwards, right? And I love that uh, they have a, a great quote from an educator in the article about it doesn't matter what you're teaching. Media literacy is now part of what you need to be thinking about, right? Because the information ecosystem is so different today than it was a generation ago. The pace at which information is coming at us, uh, the tools that make mis, dis, malinformation possible are super duper sophisticated. Uh, You know, Jeff, you were talking about in, a, in another episode recently about a cooking show that you enjoyed watching. And um, the show that we've really been enjoying over here, it's season two of a series called Capture. Okay. And um, season two is all about deep fakes, right? And mm. I really appreciate it because it, uh, you know, of course it's dramatic, it's suspenseful, but it really paints a picture of deep fake technology and the impact that it can have. And of course, that technology is not science fiction. It's here, right? And so inside this article, they talk a lot about how we need to help students be curious about information, about news that's coming their way. They need to know how to check for bias. They need to really get into that practice of critically examining what's being presented. Why is this being presented to me? And what are some steps that I can take to verify um, or, again, to look at, well, what what other views are there? And I really appreciate this article talks about this isn't about us imposing our perspective on students. And I know that's a huge misconception when we're talking about media literacy. It's not that. It's empowering students to be savvy, sophisticated consumers of information. And, you know, the reason that I think this is a great moment to be talking about this is because NPR has also just launched their annual student podcast competition. Now, you know that I love teaching podcasting. I think it's a great skill set. It's a great learning experience. But I also think when we position students as creators of content, they get it, right? They are starting to understand how other content creators work. Um, and, uh, they're, I think they're, they become a lot more confident in unpacking material that they consume. So because you know what goes into it, right? Like you need to know what goes into these things so you can unpack it. If we just keep telling kids, get off of TikTok, social media is going to rot your brains. 
without having them understand what goes into making those, what's the power behind it, or how do deep fakes happen? It's so interesting. I just was, before we started recording, I was over in uh, the GEG group, which is Google Education Groups, which you can find one in your state if you're a Google school. There's one in every state and every country. Uh, but the one here, we we meet we, uh, monthly. But we were having the same conversation that especially, and I, I wonder how you feel about this as an ELA teacher, but we were talking about this is the new skill we feel in ELA classes. This idea of being able to not write the essay anymore because you have things like chat GPT, but you need to be able to look at an essay and understand what, how do you unpack the essay to make sure that it's real, to make sure that it's right. But you can take this into any subject matter now. Uh, Canva, which we use a lot here at Shifting Schools, like everything that you make, all of our free PDFs are all made in Canva. I know a lot of schools that are making that are using Canva now too with students. But Canva now has a new Canva.ai where you can put in a couple different words and it will create images for you. Now think about that. Or you can go over to open.ai, which is the maker behind the new chat GBT that everybody's heard about. But if you just go to open.ai on their front page, it says make an image. You type in a couple words. I went over there the other day and I typed in avocado house and it actually created images of houses made out of avocados. They're not real. These, these houses do not exist, but this is the future that our children are growing up in. These are the future of our kids. How do we change the scripts in our classrooms around, look, I need you to be able to write an essay, but more importantly, because you need to know how to write an essay. But then we have to be able to unpack how an essay gets written so that when you see other essays, you see other news articles, you see other writing, how do you know? How do you dive deep into not just taking it for granted, but understanding what's behind it? And I think that is going to be a critical skill. That is the media literacy skill uh, that we need to be focused on. And I think ELA classrooms is a... is. To me, that's like the number one spot. I mean, every classroom should be doing it, but I think, what, do, what are your thoughts on that? And I, well, I think, Jeff, that, you know, social media, whether, you know, I, I love that you mentioned, you know, there's a lot of like, uh, just kind of angry social media is, you know, yeah. doing this, doing that. And the reality is social media is all around our students, right? Yeah. And I think to either just be mad about that or to ignore that is a huge misstep you know, and I, I actually think teaching writing through the use of looking at different, you know, prompts, mentor text from social media, yeah. because that is, a, you know, a part of their ecosystem. And I appreciate, you know, I just want to read a quote from the article, quote, even though today's teenagers have grown up with social media, that does not mean they know how to identify and guard against manipulated videos of politicians or news articles on TikTok, end quote. Because sometimes I've heard, you know, people are like, oh, well, you know, teenagers just understand how social media works. Yeah, and so true. It's that's not true, right? No. And I, I think there's huge value in having those conversations about what they're seeing on social media. Even um, you know, I have occasionally with students, like, I'll pull up something that's getting advertised that I, I notice in my feed again and again. And let's talk about how this advertisement is working. Let's talk also about why it's targeting me because likely, you know, what's what's coming up in my Instagram feed is not what a 15 or 16 year old is seeing in their feed, but getting them into that practice of why is this being delivered to me? Yes. 
Um, because there's a reason behind that. And let's talk about the language. You know, it, uh, a social media post that is part of a campaign, you've got a team of people working on that. So let's talk about what this team was doing. Let's talk about their writing craft. Let's talk about the different advertising techniques and strategies. Um, because some of that also, as you were saying, for formal writing that students are trying to do, how do you learn the art and craft of writing a pitch? Yeah. How do you learn the art and craft of getting attention, um, of being really economical in your word choice? Um, you know, I, I, I think it's social media actually is a great opportunity for us to bring really authentic writing and get students in that practice of stop, think about what's happening here. Instead yeah, of just passive of the, one consumption. Of the, one of the traps we fall into as adults, especially with social media, is we still have, and, and it's not everybody, not, you know, but I think a lot of us, me included, I get into this, I, I get into this idea that, well, I go into TikTok and I see it. And so it's not bad. So it must not be bad for other people too. And one of the things I think we fall into a trap of as adults is just thinking, well, it can't be that bad because, but you're not seeing it through their lens. And these algorithms are so uniquely focused to specifically you. In TikTok, 90% of what I see are fishing videos and people doing construction projects because that's what I watch. And the more I watch those videos, the more videos I get in that. I don't see naked guys and girls, but I'm also not a 14 or 16 year old guy or girl on TikTok. So in, in, if I'm just looking at it through my lens, I, I'm, I'm not understanding what they're being exposed to. I'm not understanding what they're seeing and the messages that they're getting through, which is why it's so critical that we bring these conversations into the classroom. I, you, I have for I, longer than I can count been trying to get schools to bring social media into our schools, unblock them, bring them into our classrooms so we can have conversations around them. Kids only will listen to you if they think or know that you understand what you're talking about. To stand up in front of a class and say, you know, Trisha, you really shouldn't be on Instagram. It's a dangerous place. You'd look at me and say, well, what do you know about Instagram? How do you know it's dangerous? You're not even on there. You don't even, you don't even know what it's about. And it's very difficult when we can't bring it into our classrooms, have kids open up your phone. How many times? I want you to, in a math lesson, write down how many original posts do you see versus ads? Original posts versus ads. I did this last night in Facebook. In Almost 30 minutes of scrolling, one original post by one of my friends. Everything else was a repost or an ad. One. Mm. That's the, and, and you have to understand that the stuff that it's not even, my, my friends are just reposting it. That's not their, there's no original content, which is why I don't go on Facebook, right? I don't go on Facebook because there's no original content there. I'm wasting my time. I want to go to Median. I want to go to Instagram. TikTok is original. TikTok has more original content now than than Facebook does. But we have to be having these conversations and we have to be having them with students through their perspective, right? And, and that is when you engage them in writing the script. You know, these things don't go viral because it's an accident. It's very intentional. Script writing is very intentional. How do you get your message across about an ad on television in a seven second ad spot for the Super Bowl? Very intentional word choice to get that done. You know, we've got to be intentional about the stuff that we work with kids uh, for sure. It's, it's, 
it's critical. It's a great article. Um, again, I had the same thing I was telling you. I was like, oh, my wife sent me this article this morning. Uh, It's making the round. So we just wanted to bring it up and talk about it and talk about uh, just the power of having these conversations in the classroom. And we have to, we can't shy away from them. Um, education has to stand up and, and, you know, our jobs to prepare kids for their future, not our past and for better or for worse, this is their future. Uh, and it's, it, it's the present, right? I mean, yeah. uh, you know, again, I think there is the looking at the language, understanding how posts work. And then there's also the conversation to be had about our relationship with social media. I think, yeah, so true. Uh, you know, one of the, the best things that I ever did with a group of students is we had, it was like a, three week long kind of mini unit that was part of something else where we had this big menu of different experiments for students to take on in groups. Uh, I'll give you a few examples. One was one app that's on your phone. You're going to delete it only for three weeks. You can Mm -hmm. add it back at the end of the three weeks if you would like it back, but let's just see what shifts with it being gone for a few weeks. That's cool. Um, Another experiment was, and again, these were all options, and I also invited students to add to the menu experiments that they were interested in. Another one was at lunch. It's phones away at lunch. Like you and your friends are are phoneless during that time. Um, Another was when you are texting, when you are DMing with friends using emoticons only uh, and talking just through any kind of visuals. It could have been GIFs. So we had this whole big different series. Um, and another one was that I had shared with students, like one thing that really helped me with my social media routine is no phones in the bedroom, right? It's not yeah. the first thing that I pick up, which, and I explained, they were like, well, how do you wake up in the morning? I'm like, I actually had to go buy an alarm clock. Alarm clock, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I had to buy For one. For $3.99. <laughs> yes. Um, but I said, you know, I noticed, especially on the weekends where... The first, my first point of contact wasn't my phone. It was a nicer, slow start to my Saturday morning. Mm. Um, So anyway, uh, my point is, I think our routines, our habits around social media are also worth exploring and playing around with. So that mini unit, students were documenting what they were noticing. Like we had five minutes at the start of each lesson for them to reflect on how the experiment was going. And it was, it was really interesting. And so many of the students actually, you know, I think all of them had said, I never would have done anything different with my social media if I didn't have this opportunity. So how are we creating opportunities for them to play around with some of those habits and routines? And that's where, you know, our free guide for media literacy literacy routines to try out for the year. We'll have the link in the show notes. It's been one of our most popular free downloads, Jeff. And I, I think it's because... This idea of taking on something across the curriculum so that it's not just my job as, you know, the ELA teacher, but I've got a few colleagues that are working on this too. We can spread it out across the curriculum. I think there's real power in that. Um, So again, that, that link will be there. And we know that teachers want more support with media literacy. So we've got a special offer for you. If you are interested in our media literacy course, or if when we mentioned the NPR student podcast competition, if you were thinking, I'd love to do that, I need some support, hopefully by now you also know we have a course on podcasting. When you email us, this is a, a two-week offer only. You can write to Jeff and I at info at shiftingschools.com. We're offering a two-for-one deal on either or both of those courses. So um, again, if you're at all inspired by that article or this conversation to dig into media literacy more. 
that's an opportunity for you to explore. I love that. Yeah. And know that we've got, we're here to support you and help you. And, and I, I think it's not going away. And at some point we've got to really dig in and think about what, what does this mean when we talk about media literacy, information literacy? And this is, this is, these are critical foundational skills for all of us, all of us today, and especially our students. And so how are we bringing these into our classrooms and what does that look like? So um, the last thing I was going to think of, you made me think of my wife being a school counselor, uh, always uh, did a fun thing with her students around Screen Free Week. And I just wanted to put that on there. You can go to screenfree.org. It is the week of May 1st through May 7th. This is a great time to be thinking about exactly what you were talking about, Tricia. What are some little things that I can maybe introduce to my kids that we're going to maybe not even the whole week because we live in a, a lot of screens in our world uh, right now, but just maybe little things as you were talking, Tricia, that you did with your students. What are just little habits that I can try to disrupt for, for one week and document your change, change in habits, change in sleeping patterns, change in what changes do I see? And it doesn't mean that you're going to go back and you know, never use your cell phone again, or never watch your favorite TV show or binge watch a TV. But, you know, maybe just take a week to, to think about the habits that we fall into and breaking those habits from time to time is, is a good thing. It makes us reflect. Uh, and again, there's a, there's a journaling opportunity there with our students as well. So I just wanted to remind teachers that it's May 1st through the 7th. It's a good time of year to be thinking about, okay, I know that's coming up. You know, if you need something to hold your hat on, because kids aren't going to just freely give up their phone one week and February. Um, you've got screen free week that, uh, the whole nation does. So you can go over there for more, more resources as well, but all right. Well, hopefully that was a pretty good rant of, uh, a little bit off the cuff here. Again, if you like these, please reach out to us info at shifting schools.com. If you would like to take advantage of that two for one offer on our media media literacy course or our podcasting course, again, you can find those over at shifting schools.com. Please reach out to us. The only way you can get two for one is you have to email us info at shifting schools. It's the only way you can get the two for one offer. You can't go just buy it on the website. You've got to reach out to us again. All this is coming from the article that'll be in the show notes. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend that you read it. How Finland is teaching a generation to spot misinformation. Uh, we can talk more about Finland as I actually, if, if this is something that people want to talk about, because they're always held up as one of the top countries. I was actually at a conference with the guy that does the research into what are the three things that Finland does different. And it might shock you it has nothing to do with curriculum. It has nothing to do with the hours in the school day that research actually found what made Finland uh, stand out year after year as one of the top schools or one of the top nations in the world. So if that is something that people would like to hear more about, I will just leave that little teaser here as we sign off. Trisha, any last words from you? Just, you know, again, we appreciated folks sending this our way. If there's an article that you're thinking, you know what? This is so great. This would make for a wonderful episode. You can ping us on social media. You can email us info at shiftingschools.com. Uh, we'd love to keep connecting with you. Or if you've got thoughts on the article that you'd like to share with the podcast community, when you head to shiftingschools.com and you scroll down just a little bit, there's actually a box there where you can share a voice memo. We'd love to share your voice on the show too. So consider heading to shiftingschools.com and sharing your thoughts um, about media literacy and about this article uh, with the rest of our audience. We'd love to feature you. Awesome. Thanks, Trisha. Thanks, everyone. Until next time, we'll see you on the network.